Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Welcome and thanks for taking the time to listen in. I am super excited about today's podcast as you are going to have the opportunity to get to know the most talented athlete and coach that I live with. (laughs) (laughs) In all seriousness, Dean is an extremely gifted and resourceful athlete and coach and I can't wait to pick his brain on all things running, triathlon, and Ironman and endurance sports as we go through a series of podcasts. But today, we're just going to get to know Dean. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Is that all right, man? That's all right. All right. This will be fun. I know. I might learn something that I didn't you, already know. You might learn something. So, I know your Ironman journey began with a running background. You know, some athletes were swimmers, some triathletes were runners, some were bikers, some were like me. None of the above. But... Tell everyone a little bit about how you got started into the sport of running. So as a young child, I tried a lot of different sports. I tried the Cub Scout Olympics, and I don't know why I did the high jump. Um, <laughs> I was short. Two foot nothing. But um, I tried everything. I did Pop Warner football. I sat the bench a lot, but uh, I was famous for the Statue of Liberty play. I'm pretty sure your mom paid them to keep you on the bench. It could be. Um, I barely made the weight requirements for the football team. I tried baseball, and I I remember basketball. I just could not understand the the concept of double dribbling. Um, But anyway, running in the third grade came naturally to me, and so it it stuck with me. Yeah, one thing I remember you talking about a lot was your first coach, Coach Arthur Marks. I know he had a big influence on you. Is there anything in your mind that stands out about him as a person or a coach? Maybe anything that influenced how you approach coaching now? Well, just some of the things I remember about Coach Marks, or he he goes by Artie now. He was just a a super nice guy. He treated me and several other elementary kids like they were part of his family. We traveled around to different races. I remember one time he, he took me to a running store in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I know he had a, a older model Camaro. I don't remember if we, if we rode in it that day, but back in those days, it was okay to transport students in your own vehicle. That's it's kind of frowned upon now. Anyway, he was the first one that, that really took an interest in, in me as an athlete, introduced me to running. I, I wouldn't be a runner today without his influence. If you're going to Bowling Green, you ought to be in a Corvette. That's a good point. <laughs> Let me tell you about the outfit I bought in Bowling Green. So this was back in the 70s, and I had the big hair, I had the big glasses. All the things. I was short. (laughs) But uh, for whatever reason, I picked out this silky um, candy stripe jersey, red and white, and silky red shorts. The brand was Dolphin. I don't even know if the Dolphin brand is still around. The shorts were unlined, and they were huge on me, but... They made me feel like a runner, so uh, 
that's that's what I had, and I, I raced in it a couple I, a couple of years because I grew in. I feel pretty sure that last year when you were helping your dad clean out the attic, that maybe you came home with that thing. I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My dad and mom kept everything, and so uh, even though things are the clothes are falling apart, <laughs> I was able to reminisce a little bit about some of the things. I wore as a child. So anyway, it sounds like Coach Marks was an outstanding coach. And uh, just from your description, it sounds like he really understood the importance of developing a relationship, getting to know you, not just as an athlete or a runner, but yeah. also as a human being. Mm -hmm. I remember one time he took me and two other elementary school athletes to visit his mom and brother in Dayton, Ohio. Coach Marks's brother was in the Air Force, so we were staying on or near the Air Force base, and there was a race, and I just look back and just have fond memories of seeing the airplanes and spending time with him and his, his family. But anyway, like I said, he treated a few of us elementary kids just like we were family. Yep. I know that influence has made a huge impact on your coaching style, and I just think that's awesome. So through elementary, middle school, high school, you continued running. You ended up being a scoring runner on Coach Tony Rowe, who's a legend in and of himself, uh, his first high school state championship team. Anything you want to share about that experience and uh, any long-term impact that had on you as an athlete or a coach? Well, some of the things I remember about Coach Rowe and, and being part of his team, you know, he, he recognized my potential and the potential of other teammates. He pushed us hard. But he also enjoyed cutting up. I mean, we had a lot of fun. We developed some great friendships through being part of that team. Several days per week, we'd get together early in the morning, and Coach Rowe would be there too. He he ran, you know, as fast as us high schoolers. But we would meet early in the morning at the high school, and we'd run a five-mile route. Supposed to be just an easy run, but almost every every day it would be a uh, it would be like a race. I don't know why we raced. I guess it was just the love of running and challenging each other but or ego could yeah. be ego <laughs> so we would rate we run hard in the mornings attend school and then in the afternoons we'd meet again run some more and i remember laps after lap after lap around hillcrest golf course which isn't used for running anymore but lots of hills a shared facility with the golfers always had to watch out for the golf balls but i remember one workout in particular it was relay 400s the way the course was laid out it was about a 400 meter from one of the tee boxes on a hill, down through a valley, up a hill, to another tee box on a, a hill 400 yards away, 400 yards, 400 meters. Anyway, a long way. Coach Rowe would divide us up into three-person team, and we would do about 10 of these, and they would be all out. And it was a tough workout, but it was just a, a fun way for us to get in a good workout and, and spend time with our our teammates. So Coach Rowe and, and Coach Marks, they coached together with us. Um, Coach Marks coached through middle school and then at the high school level, Coach Marks helped Coach Rowe. Anyway, they shared bus driver duty as we traveled all over the state and the surrounding states. I remember Coach Rowe, he was he was tough, he was fast, he was muscular, a little on the short side, kind of like me. <laughs> but what I remember the most was his Christian influence. He encouraged our team to pray often. He put up with a lot for me and the other athletes, but he found a way to stay positive, and he built a legacy at our high school. He went on to be named the National High School Coach of the Year one year, so he had a, a big influence on me. That's awesome. 
and you know I, in this day and age and even even back then i just loved in a public high school setting he was not afraid to share his christian faith and knew what was most important for you young guys not only as athletes but as developing young men so i know that's really important to the two of us too as coaches mm -hmm. that our athletes know that yes we care about their goals and their athletic goals but we also care about helping nurture that spiritual relationship with christ as well so he he's a great coach great guy so uh just a little bit of background after high school we married early dean had gone off to a state college in another town and i stayed here and went to a local college but he came back after that first semester and at, i think i had been 19 all of two weeks when we got married we were very excited we were young in love and broke but we were very excited so i've got married. a story i've got a story to add here so <laughs> it was so hard being away from paula in another city yeah. and back in those days you know we didn't have cell phones we had corded phones and we had uh, long distance calling and collect calling well i was in a college dorm so long distance calling wasn't an option so i did uh collect yes collect calling and I, you know, this could have contributed to why me and Paula got married at such an early age. My dad complained one month that our phone bill was a $1,000. So <laughs> he told me, don't be on the phone so much. For all you youngsters, we'll just put that in perspective. That was more than the tuition was that <laughs> semester. <laughs> but we just loved being on the phone with each other. Anywho, after we got married... I know you, Dean, continued to dabble in 10Ks and 5Ks. At some point, you also began helping Coach Rowe coach the high school cross-country team that you were once a part of. And then in 2003, you became the head girls cross-country coach at a crosstown rival of the high school you, from which you graduated. So during this time, you gained a bunch of experience as a coach. It wasn't until this time frame that you decided to up your personal training and race a half marathon. What influenced doing that? That would be my brother. So, so one day I'm at work, busily doing whatever I was doing, and my brother calls, Harry Roberts. He was part of a group of guys that met at a local park called Legion Park, and he called me and said that he and his friends were signing up for the Indianapolis 500 Festival Half Marathon, and it was gonna fill up fast. And I'd never thought about running a half. My focus had been on shorter races. I wasn't sure I could do it. I called you and asked if you would support me in doing this. Wait, what? And uh, you've always been supportive. So you agreed. And I signed up. And then I started running at Legion Park. Later, we became known as the Legion Park Group, LPG. We made a lot of great friends there. So eventually race day came, race weekend came, and Jacob and I drove up to Indy while you and Bethany stayed home. I remember the race being tough. I pushed hard, I finished strong, and I was hooked. I remember running around the Indianapolis 500 track. Most of the time when I race, I'm pretty serious. You know, there's business to be taken care of, but I was just amazed that some people would stop on the track and kiss the bricks. Maybe some of our listeners have done that, but it's an amazing race if you get a chance to do it. Like I said, I was hooked on the half marathon I ended up going back to Indianapolis the subsequent two years. You know, honestly, you were a natural upping to that distance. And uh, I'm sure that had to do with the fact that 
I mean, I'm sure you had a lot of God-given a talent, but running since third grade and just having so many miles under your belt, I mean, it, it just seemed to come natural for you. So I think that this is also the same time frame in which you kind of naturally became a leader and a coach with that great group of guys. You learned so much from them, but they really looked up to you. They considered you their leader. They looked to you for routes and workouts and, and such. And uh, I know uh, there was a lot of joking that went on in that group, but they did endearingly refer to you as the Jedi Master. So I know that uh, they appreciated your help. Anyway, a few years later, you decided to run your first marathon, which honestly kind of surprised me because I remembered when you delved into halves, you said, that's it. Halves is my, like, that's where I'm jumping off this train. But uh, maybe it was around 2008. You'd been successful. 5Ks, 10Ks, halves. Why jump into this distance? And how has your personal training in these distances influenced your approach to coaching? So I never thought I would do a marathon, even as a as a young athlete in, in high school. I dealt with a lot of minor injuries of different sorts from time to time. And so I just thought I'd never be able to handle the volume of training necessary for a marathon. And I was content with that. But then one day in early 2008, at the age of 41, it just hit me. If I'm ever going to do a marathon, I should do it now. So only one guy in the LPG regulars had done a marathon, Jimmy the Legend Briggins. <laughs> <laughs> and that was back in the 80s. So, it'd been a long, so it had been a long time since he had done one. So the, the group had really just focused on half marathons and less. So I was on my own, but my friends decided to go with me to St. Jude's in Memphis. They were going to do the half. I had no idea what I was doing. So Coach Rowe gave me advice one day out on a run. He said, because he had done some marathons, he said, run with patience. And, you know, I pondered that for a little bit, and I, I really wasn't sure what he meant, and he didn't really elaborate. So on race day in Memphis, I wouldn't say that I actually <laughs> followed that advice. I ran with my friends who were doing the half marathon for the first 11 miles, and then I had the remaining 15 miles to go on my own. So uh, I, I didn't really have any target finish time in mind. I was just I was just doing it, see what I could do. But I hit the wall around mile 20, and I, to this day I still don't know how I made it to the finish line because I, I just can't remember those uh, those last six miles. <laughs> but my friends say that when I entered the the baseball stadium there at the finish of the marathon, yeah, at the finish of the marathon. They said that they had never seen me look quite like that. So exhausted and it's like my body was moving, but my mind wasn't there. <laughs> anyway, I did make it to the finish. And I've learned through that experience and through training that patience for training and racing is essential. Sometimes in a half or less, you just need to go for it and hang on. But not in training and not in a marathon. You need to be patient, consistent, and deliberate. So yeah, St. Jude's Marathon was a, a learning experience. But again, just like when I did Indy, I was hooked. Uh, he he's, has just now said in this interview that he didn't have a goal. But somewhere in my mind, I was under the impression you wanted to go somehow finish in under three hours. So I had that in my mind that day. So I can remember seeing you a little after the halfway point And you look great, of course. I had no idea that a marathon really started at mile 20 or so, you know, I, this was brand new to me as well. 
but I can remember for whatever reason our friends Scott and Lisa were there I can't remember why because they they weren't running I guess I think Scott did the half maybe Scott did the half but anyway I think he was you know it was probably around two hour and 48 50 minutes and I'm all excited kind of doing the math on where you were at the halfway point and thinking you'd be there anytime and you know he was trying to to prepare me like he was excited and wanted Dean to do well but uh, he was like now breaking that three hour mark on a first marathon that you know anyway I don't remember what your finish time was but I do remember it being under three hours so I know Dean's too humble to say it but even with him quote unquote hitting the wall he finished that marathon in under three hours so anyway on to the interview because i could just talk about that day all day long i can't remember when but at some point during all this you had ventured into the world of triathlon first time i cheered you in a triathlon was at a local sprint i don't remember anything about your training for this i don't even remember you owning a bike so I didn't <laughs> okay so what do you remember about this what I do remember is that the first time I watched you compete and realized you were not naturally good at this like you were at running, I was certain you'd never finish that half-mile swim portion. It seemed like you were doing a lot of wading and doggy pedaling, and I really think at one point I looked out and you were on your back, like kind of backstroking, but mostly just yes. floating. Whatever I could do to get out of the water. Yeah. So, even though you started in the first wave of the swim start, I'm pretty sure you were maybe dead last out of the water. So, anyway, it's been a while. What are your memories of that day, and how many years was it before you gave triathlon another shot? Yeah, I ventured off into triathlon. It was the Lakewood Valley Triathlon, sponsored by the YMCA, just outside of our hometown of Owensboro. Whitesville, Kentucky. Whitesville, Kentucky, right. So it was first announced, the inaugural event, and I didn't know a lot about triathlon. I'd, I'd seen, you know, the Ironman World Championship or heard about it and just thought those people were crazy. But I decided to give the, the sprint a try. I had never swam laps. I didn't own a bike, but I could run a 5K. So I, I joined the Y and I started swimming one length at a time. Then one lap at a time, then two laps. I really struggle with the breathing, and I know a lot of people struggle with breathing when they first start swimming. I would breathe every stroke. I would breathe every second stroke to one side, and then every length, I'd rotate and breathe to the other side. So eventually, I got to where I could do the half-mile distance in the pool, and then I'd continue to work and continue to work trying to get faster and faster. I borrowed a road bike from my brother-in-law, Philip. And on my first ride, I stopped at the top of a hill. <laughs> and maybe many of you have done this as well. I forgot to unclip and I fell over. So my uh, first road bike experience ended up with a few little scratches. So I uh, eventually made it to race morning. And I was optimistic. I was comfortable at this point with all three sports. I expected to do well, but I was quite surprised. <laughs> so, As was I. So within the first minute of the mass swim start in the lake, I was gasping for air. Swimming in a crowd in a lake is so much different from having a lane to yourself in a pool with a wall to touch every 25 yards. Like you said, I treaded water, I did the backstroke, the breaststroke, anything I could do to move forward and keep from drowning. 
the thought never occurred to me to just get out of the water or the thought never occurred to me that I could probably touch the ground in the water. I just kept going. <laughs> it was probably way steep. I found out years later it was very shallow. <laughs> uh, I was so relieved to get out of the water. I knew I was slow. I was hoping for about 15 minutes and I think it was closer to 21. But out of the water I sprinted barefoot up the grass hill to the transition. I thought the worst was over. <laughs> so having lost a lot of time in the swim, I hammered the bike and this was a very hilly course. I did pass a lot of people, but with less than a mile to go on the bike, my calves started locking up. I'd never experienced this before. As I rolled up to the dismount line, I wasn't sure how I was going to get off and walk. I almost fell over again. I seriously thought you were going to fall off that bike. <laughs> uh, what a learning experience. So I hobbled into T2. When I started the run, my calves were still cramping. What I thought would be my strongest leg turned into a struggle. I ran some, I walked some, but I kept moving forward. Eventually, I made it. During the awards, I expected to place in my age group, even with all my struggles. <laughs> Naive, I was, yes. I had been accustomed to placing in road races all my life, so... Everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> to my surprise, I was not in the top three. I wasn't even close. But it was a great experience, and... At least for the time being, I was one and done. It took me 10 years before I decided to try my second triathlon. It was, again, the Lakewood Valley Triathlon. But this time, I knew what to expect, and I did much better in my age group. <laughs> I mean, I can't quit laughing because, honestly, this is the first time that I've heard you thought you played. <laughs> I mean, I was a spectator that day. I could have told you that wasn't happening. <laughs> but you were a good sport. You finished it, and you just walked away from it for, for a while. So I know it was a humbling experience for my gifted and athletic husband, but after that, you turned your focus back to marathon training. Uh, you raced the Boston Marathon a couple of times, which I think in another podcast, maybe we can talk a little bit more about Boston, because that's, that's a really fun race, and it just I hear it's a great day. So you continued excelling as an athlete, and a coach with running but at some point you were drawn back you you went back to triathlon how did you go from that first sprint where you know triathlon supposedly swim bike run i think yours was almost drown over bike walk anyway you went from that to qualifying and competing in the 2016 ironman world championship in kona man yeah i'm married to the man <laughs> Well, that, that was a big goal. I get a little teary just thinking about how hard how hard that was. <laughs> Sorry about this. Okay, I'm not going to cry in every podcast. So in, in 2011, I was in the best running shape of my life. And I had a great experience at Boston in the spring with my LPG buddies. And I had a personal best in the fall at the Monumental Marathon in Indianapolis. But I was ready to try something different. I believe it started with you and Angela Mayfield deciding to, to do the Ironman half in uh, Augusta. What was I think? I don't know what you were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I decided to do it too, but you had never swam, much less done a triathlon. That's for another podcast too. Uh, I was worried about you just thinking how my first triathlon went. <laughs> Later, we learned about uh, deadly algae 
in the Savannah River and alligators. But uh, anyway, we both survived. That's when I decided, after that, is when I decided to sign up for the Louisville Ironman. I gained a lot of insight from a friend, Chris Sampley, who had done Louisville before. He and I would talk on the phone as I was driving home after riding the bike course up in Louisville. It was a two-hour drive each way. So my first Ironman was an eye-opener. I expected to do well. Again, I was naive. But I did not stick to my nutrition plan and ended up walking some of the run. I was amazed by the support crew that Paula had recruited and, and the uh, bright neon yellow shirts that everybody wore. <laughs> Couldn't miss us. But uh, that meant a lot to have all those friends out there. I finished just over 11 hours. Based on the fact that I had walked, I knew I could do better. And that's when I started thinking about Kona. So I competed again the next year in Louisville, and I shaved off about an hour, but it still wasn't good enough to place. Then I hired an online coach, Kevin Cody. Kevin worked with me to build my fitness, my nutrition, and strategy. The next year in Louisville, I improved another 10 minutes or so. I waited around at the awards the next morning, and again, teared up just a little bit when I still didn't place. Woo, me too, man. I knew that was another <laughs> training block for Dean Robertson Ironman. <laughs> another, another year of Ironman. So uh, I have a great birthday for Ironman. I have a December birthday. And the way Ironman works is you go by the age you will be at the end of the year. So for the whole year of 2016, I was going to be competing as a 50-year-old, even though I was going to be 49 years old for 11 months of the year. So you and I got together and came up with a plan. I was going to give Ironman two more tries. Uh, we decided that I would do the U.S. National Ironman Championship in Texas in May, and if that wasn't good enough for Kona, I'd give it one more try in Louisville the next fall. The race in Texas was fast enough, so after many years of training and racing, we made the trek to Hawaii in October of 2016. Woohoo! Pay dirt trip to Hawaii! <laughs> and a great vacation it was. Yeah, and that'll be a podcast at some point, too, I'm sure, talking about the Kona course and, and that experience. That was awesome. So, anyway, I guess for me personally, it was amazing to watch your swim fitness and technique improve. We really kind of learned to swim together when we signed up for Augusta. We read everything we could get our hands on. I mean, we watched videos. We attended clinics. We drove to Atlanta, Georgia, one weekend to attend a clinic. And I think we basically destroyed the myth that if you don't have a swimming background as a kiddo, then you can't become a decent triathlon swimmer. And that that's just not true. So I guess the good news is we had so little experience with swimming that at least we didn't have any bad habits to break. We didn't have any habits. Ultimately, I think we're much better swim coaches having had to learn it from scratch. Uh, you know, I think we are able to break it down and really help adults learn to do that. So we had to sift through a bunch of bad information. There's a lot of bad information out there about swimming, but we really did hone in on and find what would improve, especially with open water swimming, because open water swimming is a lot different than swimming in a pool lane with a black line to keep you straight. And anyway, it, it was just neat for me to see you gain that fitness. I can remember being on a jet ski at Rough River following you around while you swam all over that lake, though. 
Yeah, after that uh, rough experience at Lakewood the first time, I realized I needed to practice open water swimming. Lesson learned. Yes, and, and that we did. So besides significant improvement in your swim, you also learned to find that sweet spot on the bike portion of the Ironman. And I say sweet spot because you can push harder on the bike and you can definitely overbike and you can come in in a little bit better position on the bike but you're going to pay for it if you aren't patient on that bike, get your nutrition honed on that bike. So anyway, I think just figuring out the sweet spot for your bike power and pace and getting that bike and run nutrition just gave you the, those final pieces of the puzzle. That pretty much wraps up the questions that I have. So I'm just going to kind of unmic here and let you talk about anything else that you'd like to share that maybe through my awesome interviewing skills <laughs> failed to ask. Well, you were talking about honing the, the bike skills, and I'll have to say that you know my, my brother Harry, he's the one that suggested I do the half marathon. He shifted gears and started... Shifted gears? Ah, ah that's, that's funny. <laughs> started riding the bike seriously. He and I rode the bike quite a bit together during those... Uh, Ironman training days, and he traveled a little with me a few times, so he was able to help me quite a bit on the bike as well. You know, at some point, we'll have to do a podcast on the Ironman Texas and the Ironman World Championship, but for this podcast, I'll just close with a few thoughts. So while training to qualify for Kona, I mentioned that I hired a coach. It wasn't because I, I didn't understand the, the details involved in putting together a winning strategy. It was more of a time restraint and a support issue. Having a coach just further confirmed why my athletes need a coach and what they need most from me. With all that was going on in my life, I didn't have the time and energy to devote to both designing my weekly training activities, analyzing my data, putting together a nutrition plan, and all that planning that goes into the actual training and implementing all that training. And I, I'll interject here, that made a huge difference in our family life and his work life because before he hired a coach, he was training, he was coming home and looking all of his data, he was creating his new plan, like he just, like, there was no turning it off. So in the end, hiring a coach, he may not have changed the type of training I did, as I would have likely come up with many of the same conclusions as, uh, as my coach. However, it allowed me to stop spending all of my energy on designing, which freed up my energy to focus on the quality of the training and not to think again about it until I was ready to do the next workout designed by my coach. This allowed me to be a much better husband, a father, and an employee while training. That's what Paula and I like about working with our athletes. Many are so busy with life, yet they love this hobby, the sport of running in our triathlon. We do all the research, we customize their workouts and training peaks, so all they have to do is implement each session provide feedback, and ask questions. We talked about my athletic career. While training, I held a full-time job. Together we raised two wonderful, now adult children. I became a Christian in middle school when I met you, and without hesitation, I can affirm that my faith in Jesus is more important than my medals, my personal records, and my next training session. I've learned from some great coaches and from many years of experience. Now you and I are taking that experience and we're sharing it with others. It is a pleasure coaching goal-oriented athletes to reach their God-given potential like I was able to do. At RYR Endurance Team, 
We specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.